Hello, this is Katie Fisk introducing the Nova Academy Women's Special, and I have with me my friend and our campus intern, Sarah Schwartz. Hi, everyone. I'm so excited uh, to introduce this part of our podcast. Uh, Please stay tuned because we have a ton of women-specific discussions coming up, but today we're going to talk about forgiveness. Um, And kind of how we got on this topic was um, I just took a personal retreat a few days ago with God, which was the first time I've ever done that. Um, And it was very helpful, very powerful for my walk with God. But it was interesting. When I was starting the retreat, I kind of just started just thinking and asking God, like, God, why am I here? Like, what do you want with this time? What do you have to say? And like, it was like, boom, like immediately God was saying, you're here to forgive. And to me, that was so random because that is not what I was expecting at all. But in light of uh, in what I'm working on in therapy and um, realizing that I need to make some amends and, and work on some some issues from my past, I was like, oh, I guess that makes sense. But it wasn't what I was prepared to do. And so that really got me and God working on this topic. Yeah, I just really love that personal treat you had to get close with God and I think when you brought this topic up to me about forgiveness, uh, it made me think about recently just realizing I have a lot of hurts that I carry with me and I'm such a person to not want to, I don't want to deal with conflict or work through things. So I'm, I'm much of a like emotional runner. And so yeah. I realized there's a lot of things that people have said to me or in my past relationships, people had said to me that I actually hold on to. Mm-hmm. And it's this baggage that I bring to every relationship that I have, that I have all these expectations or feel like I can't really trust people but it comes to this idea that I haven't even forgiven the people in my past so I just love bringing up this topic and discussing it on the podcast yeah and I'm so glad you said that because I think something that I've realized through working through this stuff in therapy recently is that I've kind of just written off forgiveness of like oh that's something I did in my bible studies yeah and now that I'm a Christian like I don't have I don't hold grudges like I don't you know hold on to things. I don't let things affect my relationships. But as I actually looked at my heart, it was like, whoa, I'm actually carrying a lot of stuff and I haven't been dealing with stuff and I have a ton of grudges I need to deal with. So that's been really eye-opening for me. Um, So where we're going to start is in Matthew 18, 21 through 35, we're going to start with the parable of the unmerciful servant. Me up to seven times. Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began um, the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had sold to repay the debt. Then this the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with him, he begged, and I will pay everything back. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servants fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Wow. Every single time I read this, it it gets me Um, and, and it speaks to me. But 
Um, we're going to discuss a little bit about uh, Marty's thoughts, uh, Marty Solomon's thoughts, um, who has a podcast called Bema. A lot of us have been referencing that throughout our podcast for the Nova Academy. But um, there's an episode on this passage, and it's episode 121 if you want to listen to it. Um, but what Marty talks about there is that when Peter asks Jesus, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? There's actually a context behind that question. The Jewish oral tradition was that you had to forgive three times. So it's possible that Peter is trying to be either like super spiritual here, or maybe he's trying to be like his rabbi by upping the ante. But Jesus's reply is, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. And that is actually a reference or a remez to the story of Lamech in Genesis 4. So we're going to read Genesis 4, 1 through 24. So starting in verse 1, it says, Adam made love to his wife, Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. And she said, With the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked soil. In the course of the time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked on to favor Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you so angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out into the field. While we were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? Then the Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the, uh, from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work on the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wonder on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is more than I can bear. Today you are driving me out from the land and I will be hidden from your presence. Mm-hmm. I'll be a restless wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. But then the Lord said to him, Not so. Anyone who kills Cain will suffer vengeance seven times over. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one could find him, would kill him. So Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Cain made love to his life, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Enoch. Cain was building then a city, and he named it after his son Enoch. To Enoch was born Arad, and to Arad was the father of Mehushal, and Mehushal was the father of Methushel, and Methushel was the father of Lamech. Lamech married two women, one named Adah and the other named Zillah. Adah gave birth to Jabal and his father of those who will live in the tents and raise livestock. His brother named Jabal, he was the father of all who played strings, instruments, and pipes. Zillah also had a son, Tubal-Cain, who forged all kinds of tools out of bronze and iron. Tubal-Cain's sister was Namah. Lamech said to his wives, Adah, Zillah, listen to me. Wives of Lamech, hear my words. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for injuring me. If Cain is avenged seven times, then Lamech 77 times. Thanks. Wow, that was a mouthful. (laughs) Good job with all those names. Yikes. (laughs) Yikes. <laughs> um, also, there's a lot of randomness, uh, random facts in there in between the story of Cain and Abel and then before we get to Lamech. But um, yes, I think it's important to know the context of Cain and Abel before we talk about all this stuff with Lamech. But 
what Lamech is saying is that if God granted Cain complete vengeance, because that's what that that number signifies in, in the Hebrew culture, the number seven signifies completeness. Yeah. Um, if he, So if God granted Cain complete vengeance, then I'm entitled to even better, complete, complete vengeance or perfect, unquenchable vengeance. Um, and Sarah, it sounds like you found some stuff on that as well. Yeah, I just thought it was interesting because it, it made no sense for Lamech essentially to be born, but then it keeps going with the lineage to then just go back to Lamech. So I just, I don't know if this means much. It probably has to deal with like the Hebrew poetry, but I think there's a significance that there's like seven sons born before they talk about the 77 times. So like this parallel of, well, if Cain's forgiven seven times and then there's seven sons after Cain to this idea of like two sevens and like two different references of seven. So um, just this beautiful analogy of like, okay, God is so complete, um, so full. And I even just love the fact that like with Cain, like God's heart, even though yeah. Cain had sinned, like there was still consequences for his sin. And I think sometimes we can think forgiveness means there's no consequence, but God still chose to love Cain and he put that mark on him. So I actually really like the fact that looking at just Cain and God's relationship, because Cain sinned, he killed his brother and there was a consequence for that sin. It was that he wouldn't be able to work on the earth the same way he'd be a wanderer but like Cain called out and he cried out to God he's like I'm gonna die and God's like no I'm gonna protect you like you know whoever even like kills you like I'm gonna revenge you seven times and I'm gonna put this mark on you to show you like my love and my protection even if you're out like in the wilderness without me so I just think that's really cool to see that that love behind it and like thinking about forgiveness like God loves both ends and both mm-hmm. sides and mm-hmm. sometimes when people sin against us I see it as like oh like the consequences of our sin but God's like I still love you through it yeah so I just think that's really cool to look at as well yeah and you know I didn't even think about this until you were saying that but what's interesting is that I think the whole point behind that and God responding to Cain's sin that way was that I think he was trying to make the point of Cain I'm going to avenge you I Mm. will avenge you. And, you know, as we read through more scripture together today, we're going to see that same thing come up over and over again. God saying, let me take the vengeance out. You don't need to take vengeance out on others. I will avenge you. But what's interesting is that Lamech totally missed that point. (laughs) Yeah. And it it goes from God saying, I will avenge you, Cain, to now Lamech saying, I'm going to avenge myself. Yeah. And what I hear from Lamech is him saying, I'm basically going to out avenge evil. Hmm. But what Jesus is saying here in Matthew 18 is to Peter, he's saying, Peter, you need to out forgive evil. And so Jesus is completely turning that around on its head. Um, And I take that, you know, as I need to out forgive evil. And that's a high calling because I naturally, my my sinful nature is I want to meet evil with evil. I want to hurt people who hurt me. Yeah. But to think I need to actually out forgive them. Um, And we're going to read more about that as well. Yeah, I just love that you even shared the whole idea of completely forgiving. Um, I think that's really hard, even just for me, because I you always hear like forgive and forget, but I'm naturally a person that forgives and doesn't forget. Like mm-hmm. I'll hold it in the back of my mind or I'll be like, okay, I need to be cautious. Um, it's not even giving like the person that hurt me or sinned against me or whatever, like the benefit of the doubt or even like trusting God, like repentance can happen, but I'm more like, "Mm, I know better. Like fool me once, shame on you. (laughs) Fool me twice, shame on me. Um, But I think I just really love how Jesus breaks down into this parable. Um, Just looking at these two servants with very different debts. Um, The king in this parable obviously is just 
God. Um, he's just so generous to yeah. even have loaned 10,000 bags of gold. True. Um, <laughs> literally in the, the Bama podcast, they said that that's like three lifetimes worth of salaries. Crazy. So like, I don't know what King would lend that much money out. Like uh, certainly after one lifetime, you'd be like, all right, that's your cutoff. <laughs> but this King's like, no, three. It's like that generosity. Wow, that's a good point. To keep giving. And his heart just keeps showing like, he forgives us for 10000 which is literally an unpayable debt because we don't have three lifetimes. We only have one. Mm-hmm. And I just see that beautiful parallel to like our sins, the fact that we can't save ourselves, yeah. um, that we are like the woman in Luke 7 who when we see like how much we've been forgiven, when we see that debt of 500 or that debt of 10000 like all we do is like our be like we're just grateful. Yeah. Like we go to Christ, we're weeping at his feet. We're like, you've saved me from everything from a debt like I could never pay and it's yeah. that gratitude um and I just think that's that's not really shown in the the first servant mm-hmm. he's not really <laughs> grateful for it he's like here's three lifetimes of debt like this man not only canceled all my debt but essentially saved my children saved yeah, my wife so saved my true. whole life wow. saved everything about me um but then he goes on to the next person and is immediately like Yo, like you owe me a hundred coins, mm-hmm. like, and a hundred co- uh, what a hundred silver coins is essentially three months' wages, which yeah. is very payable. Literally, it's at a pretty quick time to pay back a debt too. Yeah. But this man chokes him, like grabs him by the throat, um, very brutal, and is like, "Give me my money now!" And so it's just that ungrateful heart that that's really shocking. Um, yeah, and it's no surprise that the servants are like, "Whoa, you've been forgiven more than." anyone probably has ever been forgiven and this is the first thing you do after you walk out from that meeting yeah yeah and I think what I get from that is that I need to forgive completely um but not only that but I also I need to forgive to be complete Mm. um and and I need to forgive to be made whole um and at the end of the passage where the master imprisons the unmerciful servant for being ungrateful and for you know, just giving right into his sinful nature after being forgiven, um, his sentence uh, towards him is saying, you know, until he should pay back all that he owed. So he's that's his that's his sentence, um, his imprisonment sentence. And Marty talks about how the word for canceling debt or forgiving or paying back, it could also be translated as the word release so that it's possible that he could be saying here until you learn how to release or forgive others, you yourself will not be released. And I just think that's brilliant. Um, And so it could be that he is in this prison of his own making, but this king is actually giving him a key to get out. And I absolutely think that that's God's character, that he, he gives us a key to our own imprisonment. But when I am not forgiving others, I'm in a prison of my own making, and God has given me the key. But until I learn how to release others, I'm not going to be released from my own prison. And I think about how in my life, you know, obviously God has canceled this huge debt with that I had towards him yeah. and how God took pity on me. And I was like, oh, when I read that a few days ago, I was like, that really got, I was like, wow, God took pity on me, but I don't take pity on other people when they mm. hurt me and how I am like that you know, that unmerciful servant, when I turn around and I, I basically, I'm choking these people that have hurt me in my mind. Um, and I am imprisoning them. I want them imprisoned. I want them to pay me back. Um, and I just, I want to torture them basically. 
And, you know, it's like this whole idea of pity is, is mercy. In the case with this first servant or in the case with me, mercy is always undeserved. And I think that's yeah. that's mind blowing because it's just never going to be deserved. No matter how much you try to compute it, you can't logic yourself into wholehearted forgiveness. You can't logic yourself into soul-wrenching and soul-reaching forgiveness, which is what I think Jesus means when he says, forgive them from your heart. Forgive them from your very soul. Um, But unforgiveness tortures us. And like I was saying, it's a prison. It's our own prisoner, our own torture chamber. And I realized every time I replay those memories of, you know, someone hurting me and then me, you know, hurting them back in my mind, I'm torturing myself Mm. because every time I fantasize about punishing, scolding or torturing my perpetrator, I'm torturing my own brain. And it feels soothing and entertaining to my sinful nature, but I'm basically choosing to watch torture scenes, which is kind of crazy. Um, and I was realizing, like, I'm stoking this seed of darkness that Satan planted within me. And every time I replay that torture scene, every time I, I hold on to a grudge and I replay those scenes, I'm strengthening Satan's foothold in my mind. Um, And I'm literally letting him basically skew my mind into paranoia, which is mean skewed mind. And I'm becoming paranoid. I'm becoming someone who's looking and seeing all these hurts that don't even really need to be there. Um, And so when Jesus says forgive from your heart, I hear forgive wholeheartedly, forgive wholesomely or until you are wholehearted again towards that person. Wow. Yeah, that's all just really deep. Um, So deep. (laughs) <laughs> and it's it's just crazy because like even the world can see the impacts of just holding grudges being yeah. unforgiven because like many like psychological research shows like holding grudges and like wanting to get revenge or trying to act out on anger like we only make those emotions more intense mm-hmm. like we don't resolve with anger wow. but a lot of us feel like that's the answer yep um so by choosing not to forgive like you really do imprison yourself mm-hmm. and harden your heart and the idea yeah. of that we have our own key to our prisons, like very, like not what we expect. Yeah. It's very insane to think <laughs> about. Um, I, usually I don't want to think that I'm imprisoning myself. I love playing. I don't think I, like I love, but I feel like I definitely <laughs> play the victim a yeah. lot. Where hey, I, it feels good. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's not my fault. Mm-hmm. Like uh, why? <laughs> but really like it's my heart that's unforgiving. Like yeah. me choosing not to let go of these grudges or these hurts that, like, I have the power to be free. Like, God's yep. given me that key, but it's my choice to forgive. Yeah. And it's sad because it's very easy to choose to hold on or to not forget. And literally all these impact mental, physiological, emotional health. And it just hardens our hearts. Yeah. And it just makes me think, like, God didn't design us to hold on to pain. Wow. And, like, so Jesus's life, death, and resurrection meant more than just our sins being forgiven. I think I always have this mindset of... God, you forgive my sins, but I have to be perfect still. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't keep making mistakes. But like, there's so much more gifts given to us than just sins being forgiven. Like, there's a Holy Spirit. There's the example, and I think we're given this opportunity just to show us like how we can choose freedom from these prisons through yeah. following Jesus's lessons that He teaches us to love and forgive beyond anything. And I think. One of the most interesting things is I actually struggle to forgive myself in a lot of yep. ways. And so when I think about forgiveness, I think it's easy to focus on other people all the time. Mm-hmm. Like I need to forgive X, Y, Z, um, but I don't forgive myself. 
Mm-hmm. Like I look at my walk with God and even becoming a disciple and being baptized, like there's been a lot of sin afterwards and not that that was my goal or intention, but I've gotten to really low places as the disciple. Mm-hmm. And I think I cannot forgive myself. Like I should have known better. Like I said, I was committing my life to God. Like how can I get to this place? Um, and so it leads me to just leading, like living this life, like feeling very trapped Yeah, that I'm trying to not be the person I think I am like this villain but God's like, no, like I grant you repentance. Like I free you from that and I can change you. But because I'm so focused on myself and my mistakes, like I am not free, but God has freed me. So it's that self-made prison. So I think even forgiving yourselves is like a whole nother level to this idea or the yeah. scripture of like forgiving even ourselves wholeheartedly and loving and accepting ourselves wholeheartedly. Yeah. And I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up because I think we can't, I know we can't live wholeheartedly and we can't love wholeheartedly when we haven't forgiven ourselves because it's like we've stuck ourselves in a prison or at least part of ourselves in a prison. So we can't give our whole selves to someone else and we can't live that wholehearted life that God wants us to live. Um, And I think about how, you know, I I see myself in verse 30 and um, in the TPT version, it says um, that this servant stubbornly refused um, to forgive. And I see myself in that because I can be stubborn and, but sometimes we can even be stubborn in refusing our, uh, in refusing to forgive ourselves. Like we hear these scriptures or these messages or a friend trying to tell us like, you need, you need to let it go. You need to forgive yourself. But yeah, we keep replaying those memories in our minds or we keep shaming ourselves and, 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 um, repeating words of self-hatred or loathing or punishing ourselves in our minds, um, or replaying the embarrassment. Um, and we can be stubborn to even forgive ourselves. But when I see myself in, in being stubborn and refusing to forgive someone else, I realized that I'm being hypocritical, just like Mm. this, this servant. Yeah. And I think even what you said about the idea of when we can't even forgive ourselves, we can't forgive others. Like, it just made me think of so many times where I'm so critical on people, but it's not because of them. It's because of like, I'm looking at myself and I'm always like, wow, like Sarah, you don't have this together or like you, you messed up in that way. So it makes me even more unloving towards people, Mm -hmm. but it's not even because of people's fault. It's because like, I can't be gracious and kind to myself. So I just think it's crazy to even see that played out in my life consistently. Yeah, absolutely. And as I've learned to been learning to forgive myself, like I'm actually learning to forgive others. And like, I didn't even, I wasn't even aware of so much of this stuff before. And I just, you know, people called me a very gracious person. I thought of myself as very gracious, but Mm. that's because I wasn't in touch with what was really going on in my heart. I mean, there was a lot of self-hatred. There was a lot of punishing myself, but I definitely punished other people too. I just didn't like really think about it or talk about it, Mm -hmm. um, you know, to the point where I was actually aware of it. I was more in denial. Um, And I was definitely in denial about my own stubbornness um, and refusal to forgive and seeing my, you know, how I am hypocritical like that servant. And if I am being like that servant, then that also means when I'm refusing to forgive, I'm being cruel. And I'm being unjust and I'm being oppressive and I'm being offensive and I'm being malicious. Yeah. And I realized like, oh, my gosh, like I'm just like all the things I'm accusing my perpetrators of being. But somehow I'm better. And it makes me think of um, Matthew 5. We're going to read it later. But 
I'm not stopping the cycle of violence. I'm just adding to it when I choose not to forgive. Wow. And uh, in, in the message version in, in verse 35, it says to forgive unconditionally anyone who asks for mercy. And I was so challenged by that, like to forgive unconditionally with no conditions, with no apology, with no humility, with no reason to forgive. Like yeah. they don't have to change. They could continue to do their very behavior and in your face and then ask for mercy. And God is still saying forgive. I think that's insane because it also shows God's heart because he doesn't ever force us to change either. Like when we hurt yeah. him, like that's unconditional love is the fact that he's like, you know, I'll forgive you. <laughs> and like, I, you know, I, I hope you'll change, but like you don't even have to change, but I'll forgive you. So I think that even mimics God's love even more that like he still loves all of his children and for, like forgives us mm-hmm. despite us changing and I don't know it just shows like God's heart even more and it's insane to think mm-hmm. about because that's not our nature yeah to be like I'll forgive and I won't expect you to at least change or not fall in the same thing like yeah. I think in my head I always think okay like I'll forgive you but next time like next time let's learn from this experience <laughs> but God's like no like even if they don't learn if they don't change you're still gonna I forgive know. them <laughs> yeah it's crazy and I think you know as I was wrestling th- with this in my personal retreat I started to appreciate something about God that I had never really appreciated or noticed before which is that his whole like just complete unconditional respect for freedom mm. and I think that was a big missing piece for me because I wasn't respecting the people who have hurt me in my life I wasn't respecting their freedom their freedom to choose whether they're going to apologize or to choose whether they're going to stop their behavior. Wow. You know, I was not. I was like, I'm in my heart, in my mind, I'm demanding that they apologize. I'm demanding that they change. I'm demanding that they come and kneel before me and beg for mercy, blah, 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 you know? Um, But I would love for us to look at Romans 12 as well, because I think it just, it ties everything together um, in an incredible way. Um, We're going to read Romans 12, verse 17 through 21. All right, starting in verse 17, it says, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, It is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed them. If he is thirsty, give them a drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Yeah. And again, this is just so challenging to me, but it takes us back full circle, you know, to the story of Cain and Abel or of Lamech. And it's saying, God, God is saying, let me take revenge for you. Let me avenge you. Do not seek vengeance for yourself. Trust me that I will avenge you. And it's this whole uh, incredible standard of loving our enemies and loving those who hurt us. And I think uh, Jesus talks more about this in Matthew 5, um, verse 38 through 48. Can you read that one, Sarah? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Matthew chapter 5. There's Wow. <laughs> Matthew <laughs> chapter 5, verse 35 through 48. Um, it says, eye for an eye. You have heard that it was said, eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. 
Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it is said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your father in heaven. He causes his son to rise and on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not, e- do not even the pagans do that. Mm-hmm. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Yeah, and I think, oh my gosh, verses 38 through, I think it's 42, that is so challenging. And I know I've wrestled with that so many times, that idea of like, what the heck, Jesus? Like, you want me to turn my other <laughs> cheek when someone yeah. stabs me? Literally, I want to slap the person back like that is messed up. But, you know, as I've wrestled with this passage, I think the whole message here is is not just like physically turn your other cheek, but is what he's saying is stop the cycle of violence. Stop Mm. adding to it. Stop adding sin to sin and just in having this whole cycle go forward. And I think, Sarah, you got some things out of this, too, right? Yeah, like I just think this is a beautiful example, beautiful example of like how we can forgive those who hurt us. But my favorite part is the very end where he says not only give to those like who ask of you, but Jesus calls us to give to anyone who borrows us. And yeah. the way I look at my heart is if I'm being unforgiving, like if I've been hurt, I close off my heart and mm. I don't give. Yep. And I'll say like, oh, I've forgiven it because I, I don't hurt maybe over it. It doesn't bother me on my day to day basis. But then if someone comes and asks me, for the same favor or it's a similar situation, I'll be like, mm, that's not wise for me to do or I don't have the time. Like I'll just come with any excuse. I'll stop giving. Yep. But I think this wholehearted forgiveness deals with like, man, you're not even going to hold your heart back when like the next person asks you to serve, to give. <sighs> and that's hard. So every time I am not giving in when someone asks for help or asks to borrow something, I always have to check my heart because I'm like, wow, like, I'm probably not forgiving a time where maybe wow. I let out money yeah. and that sister couldn't pay me back or mm-hmm. a time that I gave a person a ride and they gave me $3 back. And I'm like, that was a whole take of gas. <laughs> That's kind of hard. Um, and those things harden my heart over time. And if I'm not forgiving of those things, like the next person who is in need, yeah. who might pay back, who might be able to like do what I expected in other ways, not that we should do out of like any expectations, but like, it just prevents us from even loving and serving each other to the full extent because we're we're so hurt and we're holding on to it so much yeah. that we can't give or love. Mm-hmm. I think that that is such a good point. And I mean, I've never seen that scripture before that way, that it's basically a heart check. Like, this is how you yeah. know <laughs> if you are being wholehearted, if you this is how you know if you've really forgiven people in the past because you're going to be ready to give at the next opportunity. Yeah. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I think... What I really get, I think my big takeaway from all of these different passages and in my retreat with God was, you know, what it says here in Romans 12 with do not be overcome by evil. And I realized like it's it's this evil seed that Satan is trying to sow in in my heart or in our hearts. And we need to overcome that evil with good. Um, and when the TPT version is describing God's prescription in verse uh, 20 of Romans 12, you know, as like be kind to your enemies and everything, it describes it as surprising generosity or in my words, I would say surprising mercy. Yeah. 
And uh, to overcome evil in the TBT, it's translated as defeating and destroying evil. Wow. And so the way that we defeat and we destroy evil is we stop the cycle of evil, which means to forgive Um, in the face of hurt, pain, trauma, abuse, mistreatment. We forgive. We are kind. We are generous. We um, serve, you know, and, and we we do not allow ourselves to be defeated by evil. And I never saw my unforgiveness before um, or my grudges um, as me being defeated by evil and me allowing Satan to just feed these seeds of darkness that he's planted in my heart to become this like massive tree, you know, of grudges. Yeah. Um, that was obviously choking out my love for people um, and hurting my relationships. Wow. I I think that's just so beautiful. Like, it's not beautiful to hear like you're being choked out by evil, (laughs) but I think it's just like beautiful even seeing God's heart at the end of the day that he he's he wants to break these cycles. He wants unity in his body. And like he also just wants all his children like together. So it's cool to see that. And just one of my biggest takeaways is even just, wow, like it's a self prison when I don't forgive. It's this trapped place that prevents me from really loving and growing and it also prevents the people around me from also growing as well mm-hmm. and it's just so much deeper than I thought it was mm-hmm. um, I'm very much um, a person who wants to just move on and you know not work through things like I want to I want to be good but I think I don't want to go through deep and like go pull out all this pain and hurt I'm like, mm, yeah. like I can at least forgive but it's like no total forgiveness like go through the hurt and like be say like you know what I actually forgive you and like mean it and even be like be able to say exactly all the things that hurt me and feel at peace rather than yes like full of anger frustration or hurt or even like feeling uncomfortable around the person like it's like have you really forgiven yeah if you still feel some sort of way when you see them so it just really challenges me but also encourages me to be like okay like this will bring me peace though yeah. in my relationships. It will help the unity of the body and it's going to help me understand God like so much more yeah. and his love in so much more depth. So I think it's awesome. I think that is so true that that is like the test. That's how you know if you've done <laughs> yes. this wholehearted forgiveness is if you can think of, you know, the things that people did or, or whatever has hurt you or the people who have hurt you, you can think about those things and feel peace. Yeah. Oh gosh, it's so hard to get there. I mean, <laughs> so many times I've thought like I've forgiven them, but then I'm still not at that peace. But I'm like, yep. I'm okay. it's okay though. I don't have to get to that peace. I can just still be like feeling things. Like I'm still forgiven. Nah, girl, you haven't forgiven wholeheartedly. Yeah. So it's I'm just I'm learning too. It's a lot of work to truly forgive. Yeah, and you know when you really have. Mm. Um. So anyways, but thank you so much for joining us on this discussion. And Sarah, thank you so much for being here and being a pioneer with me (laughs) on our first uh, women's episode. Uh, But that's all from us today. Stay tuned. Stay tuned.